Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of South of Fine. I am your host, Reese Lau. As all of you guys know, our goal with South of Fine is to change the stigma around mental health care. And one of the best ways that we can do that is by inviting more people to the conversation. So if you want to help our podcast get seen by more people, please, please, please subscribe to South of Fine and then rate us and share your episodes with friends and family. As a lot of you may know, May is Mental Health Awareness Month, so we want to spend some time on this episode talking about the state of mental health in Mississippi. What has the COVID effect been? Why does a stigma still linger in Mississippi, or the South for that matter? And what needs to happen to advance mental health care across the state? Hope you enjoy this episode. How you doing? You okay? How's it going? How you feeling today? Welcome to South Defined, a podcast from Right Track Medical Group dedicated to destigmatizing mental health in the South through genuine conversation about the challenges that we all face every day. For more information, please visit our website, righttrackmedical.com backslash South Defined. While we hope you enjoy listening to our podcast, please remember that this is not a substitute for professional diagnosis or for the treatment of any mental health condition. All right, guys, to take us through these very important topics, our guests today are Kay Denault. Denault, is that right? Yes. Okay, cool. Uh, Executive Director of the Mental Health Association of South Mississippi and Melody Worsham, a certified peer support specialist and wellness recovery action planning workshop facilitator at the Mental Health Association of South Mississippi. So, guys, thank you so much for being here. Glad to be here. Thank you. Yeah, it's pretty cool to have you. I I almost, before we uh, started recording, I was going to tell you guys, I'm really excited uh, to hear from you um, as a layman. Um, it's all, I'm kind of um, overjoyed to have you guys just to learn for myself. So I'm pretty, this is pretty cool. Uh, but before we jump into anything, um, will you guys give our listeners some information about the organization that you work for and what you do and, you know, anything cool about yourself. If you want to share that, that'd be great. Kay, why don't you start? Thank you. Um, I'm Kay Denault, and um, I've been with Mental Health Association since um, December of 2007. Um, But the organization has been around since 1963. And um, yeah, a long time. It started off just a um, group of people who were selling crafts to raise money Um, And they used that money to purchase gifts for Christmas to send up to um, the state hospital in the Jackson area. And from there, it just grew into them trying to um, figure out how to bring people together. So eventually they were able to raise enough money and they purchased the building that we're still in um, that's in Gulfport. Cool. And so, you know, it just has grown and grown to us now having um, different programs that are funded by both um, the federal government. We have some HUD housing programs. Um, The State Department of Mental Health funds a drop-in center for us, which is a, it's a day program for adults who experience mental health. And they're doing all kinds of fun things there, but opportunity to learn and to have support groups, be with their peers. And then we also do um, homeless outreach, trying to connect with people who are literally living out on the streets to get their into, them into housing and into a better, a better life. So a lot of things happening. Yeah, that's great. Super cool. 
Melody, you're up. Um, yes, I'm a certified peer support specialist, uh, which means that I use my lived experience with mental illness and PTSD. Um, I've achieved a level of recovery uh, where uh, I was trained by the Department of Mental Health in order to help other people on their recovery journey. And so a lot of my um, a lot of the things I do is reaching out to people who are uh, struggling, trying to learn a recovery path for themselves, learn some wellness tools, uh, stress management, uh, managing their own crises and those kinds of things. And I take that out into the community to do education on stigma, uh, wellness education and so forth. Wow, that's super cool. You know, as both of you guys were talking, I, I've never asked this question, but it occurred to me that like kind of like attorneys, you deal with other people's stress a lot. And um, this is kind of diverting from the the mental health um, focus that we wanted to do on stigma and on um, and on what the ramifications of COVID. But how do you guys deal with the day to day help that you give others? And, and the, you know, as empathetic folks, as I'm sure you are, that's got a weigh on you terribly. How do you, how do you manage that? It, it's true. We're, we're hearing all kinds of stories and some of them can be triggering because, you know, they're, they're telling you about things that are happening to them that uh, I myself have experienced or that um, other people have experienced. And sometimes taking that home is not the right thing to do. Um, one of the benefits of knowing, uh, you know, the wellness recovery action planning, that's something that we um, uh, actually use to help ourselves. That we, It's hard to turn it off at night, but you have to. We've got to take care of ourselves first. If we don't take care of ourselves, we have nothing to give. And um, so it's a matter of uh, figuring out ways to do that, but also knowing where your boundaries are. And sometimes I do. I have to say, that's enough. Uh, I I want to hear your story, but I can't hear it anymore today. <laughs> yeah, and, that's uh, really wise. Yeah. yeah, and just being honest about that. And I, I think that goes for anybody who is in a stressful job, you know, is saying, this is my limit and I, I need to take a break. Yeah, that's great. And understanding where you are in that process and in your own process. And um, yeah, and I love that you say it, it's important because it affects what you give and how you help. Um that's really cool. All right. Now to the subject on hand, which is this, this month is um, like we said, it is mental health awareness month. And two of the biggest issues that are most current issues that we're dealing with that affect mental health. Um, one is recent, of course, which everyone knows is COVID. The other is um, a stigma, especially here in the South. There is a stigma associated um, with seeking mental help um, or getting mental health um, or being a part of mental health um, that I think is breaking down. Um, but I think there's also still a ways to go. So let's start by talk. Let's start by uh, taking stock in what the COVID pandemic has done in the state of mental health care in Mississippi, um, where we were pre COVID and where do you guys think we are now? Big question. <laughs> It is, and you know, um, every obviously every person is is unique um, in their situation, and so when you're thinking so broadly, it's hard to 
kind of uh, generalize, but overall, I think we our state was really making big strides to um, improve our mental health system. You know, there's programs that are, um, it's a big state, so we're spread out with our geography, but I know that there's different programs that are being started, um, like a like PAC teams. Those are, are geographically um, in our state, and those are teams of people that include um, a peer support specialist, but also um, there's a nurse on the team. There's a case manager on the team. So it's a whole group of people who actually are going out into the home to work with those folks that have really had the most difficult time. They've been hospitalized a lot, and so they need more of that hands-on team approach. So our, I think our state was moving into directions where we're trying to think more innovatively and do things that other states have done that have really worked and improved the, the system. Um, but, you know, given the fact that we've this last year had so much uncertainty We've had so much conflict and, you know, you, you turn on the news and it's just like, oh, my gosh, I, I can't even watch this anymore. It's so stressful. Um, I think that people now that things are starting to loosen up a little bit and we've got the vaccination. Um, I got both my shots and we're super excited. Me too. Yeah. So I think that, you know, those kind of things we're starting to see sort of the, you know, the, the rainbow come out of the sky. Um, but it definitely, for a lot of people, especially if they were already experiencing some things, if they've now been, you know, maybe isolated more, they're at home more, not getting to see those people that um, surround them and, and just, you know, give them those good feelings every day. Um, it's people are feeling that people are, are really struggling to try to move forward. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um I think you briefly touched on this. Um, Melody, feel free to answer this if you'd like. Uh, whoever feels it's most appropriate for them. But are there any specific programs and I, um, that the state has implemented um, to do something about the COVID impact of, on mental health? Or is it all from private institutions or uh, public institutions like you, but you know what I'm saying? Is it top down? Is the state implemented any sort of programs? Well, yeah, it's all of the above, actually. Um, uh, private, public, the state uh, have all really pulled together to try to find ways to reach people in uh, innovative ways. Um, uh, I never thought that I would like, you know, having Internet meetings and virtual meetings, but come to find out that that was a lifeline for a lot of people. And um, so yay for technology, <laughs> um, because it allowed people right there in their own homes to be able to turn it on and connect to someone who understood what they were going through, understood the loneliness. Um, the uh, Department of Mental Health uh, set up a website called uh, Behind the Mask Mississippi or Behind the Mask MS. And, uh, and it is just nothing but resources for people to be able to reach out electronically and try to get some help. But it also has those crisis lines that if you absolutely needed a mobile crisis team to come to your home and uh, help you figure out what your next steps are to get through whatever is going on, you know, those were available as well. But uh, in the peer support community, some of us who had never been uh, connected, you know, because we're working our own programs and so forth, 
we have figured out innovative ways to stay in touch so that we can keep ourselves well to also help others, but also to do warm handovers. And that's been an awesome experience that, you know, we find out somebody has decided to uh, move closer to family and uh, they're in my area now and saying, hi, Melody, uh, you know, Joe is coming from Jackson and he needs to get connected and uh, having that warm handover. So people don't feel like uh, if I leave, I'm losing everything I know. Um, you know, they have a friendly, friendly face to say welcome to them, you know, when they come into their new area. Um, so that's been really nice. And it's been a comfort for a lot of people. Yeah, that's super cool. You know, everybody that I talk to in this profession, and it's all and it's everyone in Mississippi, is so positive about what's happening right now in Mississippi in the world of mental health. Um, and I know that access is limited through nationwide. I, I don't think that it's where it should be, um, maybe worldwide even. But is Mississippi like kind of a, ahead of the curve? Are we on the curve, or how are we doing in, in the in in that relation to the whole to the whole? Well, I think in some in some areas we're actually uh, ranking number seven in some of the innovative ways that we've been able to uh, reach populations that were hard to serve. Um, and uh, that's been that's been a real plus. But then in other ways, we've got some ways to go. We still do some things that uh, have created some real issues for people. And we're working on those hard, but uh, they have created some serious challenges for some people. Yeah. Uh, Kay, were you going to say something in that regard? Well, I was just going to say that, um, you know, sometimes with the rural areas that we have in Mississippi, you know, people being, um, you know, take, take uh, Gulfport Biloxi on the coast. We have so many different things happening here, but when you've got a small town that's out there, they may not have services in their area. And that person might not even have the transportation to get to wherever a doctor or a therapist might be. Um, and, you know, that could be physical health as well. Um, and, you know, it, the telehealth is, has been an amazing thing that's that's uh, more popular here. But then you've got those pockets of people where they might not even have a computer. And if they do, their Internet access might not be that great. So, you know, you've, you've got some good happening, but then you've got to figure out, OK, what about this person that maybe nobody even knows that they're there and they need some help. You know, they're yeah. kind of on their own little island and it's, it's difficult to figure out how, how do we get the word out and get people that, that access that they need. And there's no, is that the biggest port? Oh, I'm sorry. Go well, ahead I was going to say there, there, and there is no one size fits all model. Uh, everyone is unique in what their needs are for mental health care. Everyone is completely different. And so uh, like Kay is saying, some of these areas might have, uh, the best therapist in the entire world, um, but that one does not suit that particular, the needs of everybody. And uh, so it can really limit, you know, how much care that that person can get, or it can even overwhelm that one super person that's in that area, you know, if they're the, they're the only one that is available, you know, so, uh, you know, so those can be real challenges for a state. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, Speaking of rural um, access to mental health, I, I know that I'm going to ask this question. I know that that's a portion of it. Um, but is there anyone else who we are leaving behind when it comes to mental health care in the state? Is it mainly the rural 
uh, communities or is there another, is there something that I don't know about? There is, you know, I think, go ahead, Kay. Well, I was going to say, that's kind of a, um, a difficult question. Um, I think that sometimes when people are um, feeling things and they felt comfortable enough you know, we, we're going to talk about stigma some more, but when people have gotten to the point where they feel comfortable enough to really reach out, a lot of times people will seek the information that they need and they'll figure it out. Like we, we get calls at our office all the time and people will say, "I this is happening with me or this is happening with my family member, my friend or, or whatever. And I just need to figure out what to do or, or you know, who to reach out to. And so we'll help them navigate that. You know, do you have insurance? That's, you know, insurance drives how much health care you can get, unfortunately. And so that's always usually the first question. But there are community mental health centers um, all across the state. They're broken down um, by county, basically. And so those places will um, accept people who don't have insurance. They don't have a means to pay. So they do that on a sliding scale fee. They'll accept Medicaid. Um, that's a big thing. If um, somebody has, say, Social Security benefits, then they they should have Medicaid to go along with that. So that gives them access to some some health care. Um, people that don't have the means to pay, I think that's definitely some folks that that we're missing because they where do they go? You know and. Right. Now, here on the coast, the mental health, the community mental health center, um, because they were seeing so many people who weren't able to pay, things weren't quite balancing out, and um, they ended up being absorbed by Pine, Pine Belt Mental Health, which is um, based in the Hattiesburg area. So I, I think that's a, a challenge, definitely, people that don't have the means to pay for their services. And you guys do a lot of outreach to, um, to homeless people as well don't you yes we do um yeah so we have a we have a specific program um i know melody's going out with some of those guys a few times um we just literally our staff goes out into the area and tries to find people that are living on the streets here you know in other big cities you might see like um you know tents on the side of the road and all that kind of stuff that we see on tv or whatever but um, at least here in our area, um, down on the coast, people are in the woods, so you may not necessarily see them. Um, one exciting thing that's happened because of COVID is all this federal money is coming to states, and we've been able to work with um, other organizations to get people into housing. So there's the numbers here are going down dramatically. I mean, you know, there's always going to be that influx of somebody coming into homelessness, but now we have money to put somebody into a place and get them self-sufficient, which is exciting. Whereas before you just kind of, you've tried, you're trying and you're trying and you're trying to keep help, helping them, but you know, maybe you could only get so far because figuring out how to get them somewhere that they could afford or whether a program was available. But um, I, I, that's definitely be something positive that's happened because of this. Yeah. From what little I know about the impact that that that's actually huge to get them housing. That's a huge impact on their life. That's great. It is. Absolutely. I mean, at one time, um, 
the way this system sort of worked was let's get somebody, let's get them off drugs. Let's fix this. Let, you know, every one wanted to make that person sort of um, ready for housing. But then at one point, some genius out there said, it wasn't me. Somebody said, you know what, let's put a roof over their head and then figure out all that stuff. Good grief. How are you supposed to, you know, figure out your health and your get off of substances and whatever, if you, you're living in, in a ditch or behind a building. So true. now you can take a shower. You've got food in your refrigerator. That is a game changer. Yeah, indeed. And it is, it's, uh, it's well known that, you know, if you started off mentally healthy and you became homeless at some point, you are going to start experiencing some mental health, you know, issues just just by the virtue of being homeless and being afraid and insecure, not, uh, you know, the stress of not being able to get a job because you can't take a bath. Um, you had to sell your car and just to feed yourself. You know, so it, it becomes a real uh, uh, downward spiral that uh, people, once they get in it, it's so difficult to get out. And uh, so just offering that one thing of, you know, let's put a roof over your head. And if I feel safe and secure, I'm more motivated to go, you know what, I think I will go see the doctor or maybe I will go talk to that counselor and see what I can do about my depression or my anxiety or my my PTSD and those kinds of things. Um, but you, you had asked about one of those populations, even among the homeless, they're not all the same either. Uh, and even among the homeless population, there's those that are hard to reach. And that's those that truly have given up on some hope. And um, they just don't think that the world has anything to offer them anymore. And so they've chosen it. They've made a choice to turn themselves or disconnect themselves. And those people still need love and compassion and they need to be uh, mentally healthy. But they're they're a challenge to you know figure out ways to reach out to them. And uh, this material help that we provide um, is definitely a way in, you know, to be able to talk to them and make friends with them and find out what's going on. Yeah, really, really great work. Um, absolutely excellent. Um, so we've touched on this a little bit, but do you guys think that COVID um, has reduced that stigma? You know, just fix it, just pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Do you guys think that COVID has helped that to wane a bit? I think it has. I really do. Uh, what I've seen is that uh, people who don't have a diagnosis, don't have mental health issues otherwise, have all of a sudden experienced cabin fever, loneliness, anxiety, stress. Um, all of a sudden your children are at home and you're not, you're at working at home, you know, and suddenly they're starting to go, you know what, now I understand my cousin who has depression. Now I understand what she feels like. Um, so, uh, so it's kind of come out of in the open and people are starting to talk about their feelings more. I'm seeing that the stigma has gotten better because it's everyday people that we think are strong and uh, mentally healthy that are saying, I'm experiencing some things. And, uh, and they're saying, I need to reach out and I need to get help. And I think that's giving courage to a lot of people to reach out and say, you know what? I'm not weak and there's not, I'm not a defective person. There's nothing wrong with me because I have a mental health issue. Uh, this is just like arthritis or blood pressure or anything else yeah. that we talk about. Let's just let's just take care of it. <laughs> yeah, they all work together. 
Absolutely. And the, yeah, brain and body, all all the same same unit. <laughs> um, so this is actually a good question and a hard question to me, who doesn't know much. Um, but how is that stigma holding us back, Kay? I mean, as a state, as individuals, however you want to answer that. Well, you know what Melody was saying, I, I agree with 100%. Um, so think about this too. If we all experience stress, and sometimes that's a huge motivator. I know at work, if I get stressed, it pushes me to get those deadlines done and those kinds of things. But when when we start talking about um, a mental illness can can happen when your daily living is affected. So now you're not able to work. You're not performing well in school. Um, those your relationships are suffering. And even just things that you do every day, like, um, you know, taking a shower and keeping up with your hygiene, when those things start to become affected um, and things are happening, have been happening for a while, that's when you really need to start thinking about, you know, maybe something else is going on here. And I, I think sometimes when people hear mental illness, it, they're scared. It, it's you're fearful because most people don't really understand, and they've never had to maybe interact with someone who's experiencing those things. And and it's probably something that you know you just really didn't talk about at the dinner table with your family. Um, I know when I was growing up, I can remember my dad talking about someone that was in our family who was actually in um, a mental health hospital. And I can remember the way he explained it to me. I was horrified. I thought, gosh, it sounded like jail. And they were in the hospital trying to get the help that they needed. What, you know, sometimes people still feel that that's what's happening. Um, We've progressed so much. It's no longer that if someone's diagnosed with a mental illness, they're not told you're going to be in the hospital forever and that's all you have. That doesn't exist anymore. Now we've got ways to get help and it it could be something really simple just to try to help you get those coping skills, you know, build up your uh, your confidence and just really empower you to, to help yourself. It may or may not include medication. Um, medication is not for everyone. And sometimes, you know, those side effects that can have a bearing on whether somebody even wants to take the medicine. Um, sometimes we hear people that that they, they're on some medication and they start to feel better. So they figure, well, I must not need it anymore. And they stop. And that's not a good thing either. You, you know, with any medicine, you need to talk to your doctor. Yeah. Um, I think all of those things that people have kind of heard and that we see in the movies and, you know, um, seems like anytime something bad happens on the news, it's like, oh, had a mental illness. Well, not always. I mean, statistically, if someone has a mental illness, they're more likely to have something happen to them, not them being the one that does something to someone else. Um, so I, I think it does. I think it holds people back because they're the fear. They don't want, you know, I don't, I don't want my um, employer to know that this is happening because now what, what are they going to think? How are they going to think that I'm doing at work or every little thing that comes up, they're going to say, Oh, it's because they have a mental illness. It shouldn't be that way. It should be that we can, just like we would tell somebody, um, I think that Melody mentioned, you know, if you had diabetes, 
you probably would tell your friends, your coworker about it, you know? Right. But for whatever reason with mental illness, we, we just don't like to talk about it. And I do think it's improving, but we do have a long way to go. Yeah. You know, I, I love that you mentioned the, um, the hospitals cause I, I don't think in my lifetime there were any there, or maybe they were open, but I, but they were shutting down when I was younger, but the conversation was still there. And that stigma that was associated with be, let's be quiet and send, you know, we sent Aunt Becky off to, to the institution. And that's, that's for us, that was a big part of understanding mental health, which was actually not understanding mental health. Um, but this younger generation hasn't really heard that conversation. So do you think that there's a shift in the, in the stigma with these younger generations, let's say maybe 35 and younger? Well, you know, I, I think again, every, everybody's unique. Um, but I do think that now, you know, I've noticed that, um, on some of the national news stations, they're talking about mental illness. Um, like Melody said, people are experiencing things that they never have before. And so, again, as we talk about it, and the more that people hear things um, in a positive light, the more they're comfortable with it. And, you know, I've seen, I've read a lot of things about the younger people that, like in their jobs, they want to do a job that's meaningful to them. Um, I think our younger generation has more is has more compassion for people than um, maybe some you know some of our older folks have, and I think that's a beautiful thing because that's a lot of it is if you have um, compassion and you have empathy for others, you know you want to know, gosh, what is what is it like to be that person? Then you may be more curious and you may be more apt to. Um, to reach out and help them. So I, I think we really can, but I believe that it has a lot to do with um, what you hear. And you know, young people look to uh, to adults to get their information. And you tend to emulate what what your parents are doing and those kinds of things. So if, our, if, if we as adults are saying things that are positive, because people do get better, they recover, I mean, we have five people who work for us that are peer support specialists. They have had mental health challenges and they, they, they're doing good. They work, you know, they do things that everybody else is doing. It's they're not just sitting at home and, and watching TV all day. And I think that sometimes um, we may think that's what's going to happen. And I don't know. I, I it's that's a difficult question, but uh, well, no, that's a good, that's an excellent answer. Um, and it, it, I want to ask Melody, I know that Melody, you've um, gone through a lot and um, overcome and have now are now in a position to um, not only just have straight up empathy, but life experience that can you can relate to these people you're helping. Um, have you seen any any difference in the younger generation being more open to communication as you speak with them? I, yeah. The the young people that I've uh, I've worked with, they just they just seem more open to go ahead and say what's on their mind and how they're feeling, and what's going on. They're a little more blunt about it and straight up. 
you know, whereas, uh, you know, my generation, we say things like, oh, I'm in a mood or <laughs> I'm just having a bad day, <laughs> you know, and, and they're straight out saying, I'm going bonkers. Okay. <laughs> you know, I can't take it anymore. <laughs> and, um, and I love that because, hey, if you can't acknowledge it, if we can't talk straight up about it, then how are we supposed to address how to fix it? You know, what to do about it? So I think that openness and just that acceptance that like Kay mentioned that uh, I see it on social media posts a lot, you know, that somebody says, hey, I'm having a bad day. I feel really depressed. And and their friends are just responding going, yeah, I was like that yesterday. And, yeah. you know, yeah. and so I just went and ate my favorite food at the fast food place and I took a bath and watched my best, my favorite movie and I'm good. Um, so they share their wellness tools. They share what they do to get themselves well, to encourage that person to try something. So they don't give up on each other. Uh, whereas in my generation, no, you do give up. You know, once, you know, great Auntie B, you know, goes to the hospital, she ain't coming back. <laughs> right. and, uh, and, yeah. and, you know, and I came from that generation when I was diagnosed. Uh, that's exactly what they told me is I'll be on medication my whole mm. life and I'll probably be in and out of hospitals and never get a job. And, you know, and here I am. Jeez. So yeah. I'm, I'm so glad they were wrong. <laughs> yeah. It's such a, it's such an odd thing because, and we relate this a, a good bit, but with physical ailments, everyone's like, you can get over it. You can do this and you can get back on your feet. But with mental illness, it's like, oh, you're, it's done. You're not going to get a job. And which is not the case at all. You, you you can recover, and Melody, you're sitting here talking to us of what person that has, and is healthy and working, and you know helping others. Um, that really that's great. That's uh, very very excellent. And uh, also, Melody, you're the first person that's ever said anything positive about social media on this podcast. For real. <laughs> well, I mean, for it, real. it's been a lifeline. Um, I, I belong to peer support groups on social media. And we get together, they're private groups so we can say what we need to say. Uh, we can, uh, you know, uh, talk about how to help somebody, um, talk about our own struggles so that we could keep ourselves strong. Um, it, it has been a lifeline for so many people, um, uh, you know, but, but yeah, we have to learn how to turn on the filters right. and, uh, you know, find out where that block button is. Because <laughs> um, you know, sometimes that's necessary also for our mental health. <laughs> sure. That's great. I love that. I mean, you got to find the positive. I've, I've been looking for a positive social media outlook. Um, <laughs> all right. So, you know, this next question you guys have answered. I mean, what's it going to take to get beyond that stigma? And I think it comes back to just communicating and with everyone and being open about your feelings and how, what you're feeling. And, you know, um, I know that's easier said than done. I do. One in four people have some kind of mental health condition. One in four. Yeah. That's 25% of us. If there's 10 people in a room, there's at least two or three people there that have a mental health condition. It's so ubiquitous. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, so let's just talk about it. Let's just, you're not alone. And, uh, and, and it's normal. It's normal to have feelings that you don't understand. It's normal to be depressed once in a while. It's normal to feel anxiety. It's normal to feel paranoid sometimes. Um, let's just talk about it. Just talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I love that. And so what can parents and families do to ensure that 
there isn't this stigma that we the we stop this cycle of mental health stigma. Well, Families, I, friends, everything you know, yeah, peer groups, whatever. I think uh, one of the things is um, to be that example. Practice some healthy lifestyles. You know all those things that we know we should do: getting outside, um, exercising having a little balance in your life, you know, you need to work hard, but let's play hard too. And then let's have some relaxation time. Um, a lot of times I know that I know when my daughter was growing up, it was so many kids had, they had soccer practice and then it was this sport and then it was, you know, dance and lessons and all this stuff. And kids need that play time and just time to use their imagination and, and be able to grow that way. So I think, yeah, if we can model some positive behavior for them, that helps them to grow up with the outlook that, okay, these things, they may, you need to figure out what your wellness tools are. Um, and that could be something um, we, we talked about, Melody mentioned the Wellness Recovery Action Planning, RAP for short. That's a national program that's been around for over 20 years. Um, Mary Ellen Copeland, who uh, is from the Northeast area, she she helped to develop that. And all it is is just thinking about simple concepts. Um, we talk about simple, safe, and free, things that you can do to keep yourself feeling well. So it could be something like um, you're just going for a walk or you know playing with your dog, um, having that piece of chocolate, whatever it is, and then thinking about, okay, what are, what are my stressors, my triggers, and what kind of things, if this happens, what am I going to do to keep that from really upsetting me? Um, so it's a really cool program. And I, and I think those kinds of simple things, you know, it's great to go on a, a big vacation or it's great to spend the day at the spa or whatever. We, really, we don't really need all that to keep ourselves well. Let's have a picnic outside. You know, let's, let's just watch a funny movie. That puts me in a, in a good perspective anytime. So just thinking about those simple things that you can do, um, especially with kids. You know, I saw something really funny the other day, and I can't remember exactly, but it made me think about it Christmas time. Kids get all this stuff. Parents stress so much to get all these presents for their kids. And then you've got the baby over there playing in the box. They don't even care about the baby doll or whatever it is. Very true. It's just simple. They just want you to pay attention to them and help them, you know, figure out how to, how to keep things going. Yeah. All of that I'm living right now. And I agree a hundred percent. Well, I, I was, uh, I was a mother of a child who had a mental illness as well. And uh, one of the things that I can say about parents is that uh, they blame themselves for whatever uh, mental health issues that their child has. And it doesn't help the, it doesn't help to do that. Um, it never helped me to blame myself. You know, I was like, I have mental illness and now I'm passing it on to my kid. This is my fault. And um, it, it just lays blame. It doesn't really solve the problem. And um, so if we're focused on that, it's just making a very, uh, negative or uh, pessimistic environment in our home, you know, whereas looking at it as going, okay, we have challenges and doggone it, we're going to tackle it together as a family. 
And, uh, and just looking at it that way of let's move forward. And so if there's parents out there who are blaming themselves or wondering what they could have done different, don't do that. It's just, it, it just doesn't help matters. Um, just address what you got and just get out there and figure out what's going to be best for you and your family to get healthy. Yeah, I think that's a great statement. It just lays blame. It doesn't solve the problem. Um, who could, The blame can't do anything about it. That's just a feeling. Um, well, guys, I, I could continue as usual, as I typically say with most people, but we will not. Um, thank you so much, Melody and Kay. Um, you guys seem to be doing incredible work on the Gulf Coast, and I'm sure that your your tentacles extend a little bit further than that as well. Even going into the woods to find um, homeless people and make sure they're all right. Uh, I mean, you're covering the gamut of um, issues here in Mississippi, and uh, I mean, I thank you for your work and for your time to sit here and listen to me talk too much. Um, I hope I didn't. <laughs> Well, thank you so much. And I do want to say one more thing. Um, on our website, we have uh, mental health screenings. And it's oh. just uh, a simple, some simple questions. And at the end, it'll give you um, either a score, basically, where you can think, okay, I need to talk to someone. Or maybe it's just something I'm going through. There's several different ones on there and um, it can be anonymous or you can um, link to the National Mental Health America and they'll direct you to the, you know, an appropriate resource to get some, some help, professional help. Awesome. Uh, and what's the website again? It's msmentalhealth.org. Great. msmentalhealth.org. All right. Well, regardless of where we are in the state of mental health in this state, we are definitely moving forward with people like you guys um, at the helm, helping people uh, individually and as a whole. So again, thank you guys and uh, have an awesome rest of the day. Thanks. You too. All right. Take care, guys. Bye. Thank you so much. If you have questions about mental health and the COVID-19 pandemic that you'd like our providers to answer in a future episode, please email southoffine at righttrackmedical.com. And if you'd like more information about Right Track Medical Group or the South of Fine podcast, please visit righttrackmedical.com. Thanks to our production team, Kelly Huntsberger, Caitlin Clegg, Carol Ann Hughes, Alica Batista, and Lee Slade. Special thanks to Squadcast for providing superior remote interview services.